Big news on a dictionary of finance. We have a second podcast that will be starting soon called Future Europe. Can you guess what it's about? Is it about the future of Europe? Ah. Oh, there's a surprise is gone now. Oh, oh, sorry, right. I ruined the ending. It's yeah, but, but, but let's, let's keep going so we can create buzz around it. Because Future Europe is going to be a podcast which will look at each one of the 28 members of the EU. There'll be one project in each country, and it will show you something about how Europe will be in the future, and maybe even other places around the world. So there'll be all kinds of different projects from climate and environment and uh, life sciences, all kinds of amazing stuff. It will blow your mind. Hmm. So it's a, it's, a new, it's a new series of it's podcasts. It's a new series, yes. Is it, is it a derivative of the existing series of podcasts? I suppose you could say it derives from it. But the way, the way you use that word derivative, you have a, a very meaningful look in your eye. I was trying to make the, the link to the, the podcast we're doing today, which is going to be on derivatives. Wow. Amazing. I, like I don't know what that. they are, but it sounds kind of like what you're describing with the new podcast. I am told that there were 25 billion of derivatives contracts traded in the last year. That, that means that contracts with worth $570 trillion, six times the output of the world economy, and we don't know what they are. Well, we're I, about I to think find we should. out. I think we should, we should know what they are. But before we get into that $570 trillion worth of episode, that's really the most expensive episode we've done so far, isn't it? It's lucky we're not paying, and lucky our readers get it for free when they subscribe on iTunes or wherever else they get their podcasts. And then they'll get this episode and our forthcoming episodes, which are on super fantastic things that are probably worth at least $570 trillion. Welcome to a Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank, a very, very important episode for us to uh, present to you today about derivatives. I've been waiting to do this for 46, 47, 48 episodes already. It's really the most exciting thing in finance. And so we have an exciting guy here. Not just exciting because he does derivatives, but also because of some of the things he does on the track. We'll get to that now. It's Julien Glachon, who's Financial Risk Management Officer at the EIB. And if Financial Risk Management Officer doesn't sound exciting enough, what do you do when you're not managing financial risk? You take other kinds of risks. Yeah, my main hobby is motorcycle racing. So uh, I mean, racing for only this year, I started this year, but I've been riding on the track for four years now. What and sort I, of bike I love is it? it? I have a sport bike, a Kawasaki Ninja ZX6R. So it's a 600cc bike. You had me at Ninja. <laughs> that's really, that's, that's okay. all you need to do. Just call it Ninja. I, uh, I'm a bit of a Sete now man myself. What about you? Are you a fan of his? I am. Uh, not that's really. very old school, isn't yeah, it, to say Sete? But, but, but I know him. I've been following uh, motorcycle racing for a while now, but I'm more uh, Valentino Rossi's guy. No, no yeah. I can't agree with you there. Uh, 
So, so how do you you just enter a race or you have to qualify for it or how do you how does it work? Yeah, so before the race, you I had two qualifying sessions and in order to be qualified, you need to do less than 120 percent of the best times of your series. Uh huh. Okay. Oh, so how fast is that altogether? In terms of average speed or in the terms speed, of lap time? Like how far are you hurtling along down the yeah, street? Uh, yeah, so the top speed I can reach, on, depending on the track, is something like 250 kilometers. Wow. wow. Oh, really? Okay, that's what, that's what I do on my bicycle on the way home from work. Uh, sometimes it feels like that anyway. But so uh, that's a fairly risky thing to do. But you have brakes. You can manage the risk there. But what about derivatives? How do we manage the risk? in the derivatives field, because that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. Uh, in the derivatives, to manage risk, you monitor the way your portfolio changes with respect to uh, the market data, meaning FX port rate, commodity prices, equity prices. So we have indicators that will tell us how much our portfolio value will change with respect to a change in the underlying Mm -hmm. assets. But what's that portfolio all about? Because one of the things with derivatives, let's say we've had episodes which I encourage our listeners to go back to if they haven't listened to them about equities, about bonds. So there you're, you own a piece of something. But do you own a piece of something when you own derivatives? Do you even own derivatives? You don't own a piece of something, but you own in, um, some sort of speak, a contract. So a derivative is a contract between two parties we, who agrees to exchange certain amounts on certain conditions. Mm -hmm. So it's a contract between, uh, not between a company and an investor, but rather between two uh, financial players. Uh, it can be between two financial players, but usually the final uh, clients of derivatives are corporation individuals. So you have who, many who invest who invest in derivatives. Exactly. Either invest of the in derivatives or use derivatives to manage their risk on position they have naturally. Mm. So derivative in some context is a, a negative word, you know, if you say, okay, that's a good idea, but I think it's a bit derivative. It's a way of saying, come up with a new idea. But in in finance it means it's linked to something else that exists, right? It, it derives from exactly. a stock or it exactly. derives from a bond. Uh, yeah, derivative, it's, um, it's a contract. You can say it's a, it's a financial instrument um, whose price is derived, comes from an underlying asset. So the price is not made by itself. The price depends on something else. Mm -hmm. Ah, financial instrument. We have an episode on financial instruments with uh, Dr. Thomas Riberitz, his doctor because he has a PhD, is a very uh, bright person. And in fact, coming up in one of our next episodes, we will have another Dr. Riberitz, Thomas's wife, who's going to be talking to us about risk modeling. They're a very brilliant pair. Now, but that kind of modeling and so on is, is connected to derivatives because you have to be very careful that you don't make a a crazy bet, right? Yeah, it's, it's very linked because behind derivative, there is a very advanced technology uh, and uh, we use a lot of mathematics and technology and uh, software programming in order to, uh, to make derivative works. So we use mathematics in order to get 
of pricing formula on paper, but then once you have this done on paper, you need the software to come up with a price from real market data, values, and real contracts. So working on derivative is um, mixing these um, two very interesting worlds, software development and mathematics economics. What's, what's your background? How did you become involved in derivatives? Uh, my background is economics. I studied uh, banking and finance uh, in La Sorbonne in Paris, uh, but I came in the derivative fields mostly from my first work experience. I've worked for four years in Dexia in uh, Brussels in derivative uh, risk management. So uh, things like uh, a uh, options, those are derivatives. Indeed. Okay, so a put option and a call option, those are some of the most, um, perhaps the simplest forms of yeah, derivatives. Yeah, they, they are so simple that we call us vanilla in the Vanilla, uh -huh. plain vanilla uh, derivatives. So I think we, we discussed uh, the, the put option and the, and the call option in, in an earlier uh, episode, so you can go back to that. But, but basically, you can create a derivative uh, out of anything, right? You can just make it up. If you find an, a, a partner in the market who's willing to uh, to yeah, yeah, to exactly. do the deal with you, then you can then you can uh, you can make up a financial product saying that, for example, that if oil if oil prices go up back up to uh, to a hundred, and uh, you know something happens to Google, then you have to give me a lot of money. Exactly. Uh, if we forget about regulation, derivative is just a promise between you and me. I can promise you to pay you mm -hmm. whatever, depending on some conditions, like the one you've just mm -hmm. described, for mm -hmm. example. Mm -hmm. Okay. But now that would be describing kind of a, a bet. But what most people or most uh, participants in the derivatives market seem to use it for is hedging. Is yeah, that right? Exactly. So this seems to be a bet, but if I am uh, a careful financial institution, I will promise you to pay that, but I will make sure that I am able to pay this mm -hmm. amount of money, no, regardless of the market conditions. And to do so, I will enter into transactions now, and I will dynamically change the allocation of this transaction so that at the date I promise you to pay mm -hmm. this uh, contract, I am able, no matter what, to mm -hmm. pay you what I owe you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is, we call it replication. Mm -hmm. So it's like edging. So I build a replication portfolio that makes me certain that I will be able to pay you whatever I owe you in whatever market conditions. Now, the question that always occurs to me when people talk about hedging is, a perfect hedge means that you have the same amount coming in as you have going out, yes, right? Exactly. But then, how do you make money if you're if you're hedging perfectly? How do you make any money? Yeah, the, the derivative seller or manufacturers they make money by taking margins, so they calculate a fair price for derivative contract and then sell it to individuals or corporation slightly more expensive than what they seek, think it costs to them. Hmm. It's, like a, it's like a car dealer. Manufacture the car, it costs 10,000, and it, the car dealer sells you 12,000. Mm -hmm. So if we take the, the case of a call option, I have a model. The model will give me a price with some assumption, hedging assumption that I will do on the side. 
the option will have some price, but I will sell you a bit more expensive than what my model says. Hmm. Yeah. But is it is it similar to to the to the car manufacturers in a sense that is it driven by the manufacturers of derivatives or is it more driven by by the buyers in the sense that uh, is are there institutions who are who sit around the table and think of you know what kind of derivatives can we come up with that we could sell to people or is it more that that um, a financial investor would go to a bank and say that I would be willing to invest my money in something like this. Can you sell me this product? Is it kind of demand-driven or supply-driven? Uh, it's uh, kind of both. So uh, if the market is very liquid and you have many market participants, derivative prices are driven by underlying values. Mm-hmm. And also market quantities like volatility. This is very important, volatility and correlation between assets. But for markets that are less liquid, it may happen that uh, most of the demand is going in some in only one direction, meaning that all the market wants to buy something. And then this is creating huge bias uh, in the market because the bank has to sell that. But the bank, because the market is not liquid, is sitting on a, on a lot of risk, and they usually don't like this situation. Mm. One of the most, uh, one of the biggest areas of uh, of the derivatives market is the swap market, mm-hmm. which is also very big at my son's school at the moment because the World Cup is coming up, and he likes to swap the the playing cards. I assume it's not that; it's bigger, bigger than that. What what is a swap? How does that work? It's like the football cards. You swap one floor against another. So the, 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 the most uh, simple swap is called uh, interest rate swap, and you exchange a stream of floating rate flows against fixed rate flows. So let's say a um, corporation contracts a loan, and by default loans are floating rate, but they don't want to bear the risk of the, of the interest rate moving in the market so that their interest charges will increase, they may the, so this corporation may go to a bank and enter into a swap transaction in which they will pay, uh, sorry, they will receive floating, uh, floating rates flows. The so that this will cancel, uh-huh. cancel the initial loans they had uh-huh. and they will pay fixed rate in exchange. And now the bank's position is like having a debt on a fixed rate. And they would hedge that uh, somewhere else in their portfolio. So this is edging for the corporation. Mm-hmm. This is creating a new position for the bank, and the bank has to edge it. So let's get to the crisis, because around about 2008, 2009, um, derivatives, they had been controversial for a long time. They were In the 1990s, there were some American corporations that lost hundreds of millions of, of dollars on what... You know, they were telling their their shareholders were uh, hedges, but turned out to be bets on on the market. But the big controversy was around the crisis. Warren Buffett, who's the American investor, called derivatives uh, financial weapons of mass destruction. What do you think of that? Are they financial weapons of mass destruction? I would say no. He has a point because they may turn into very dangerous dangerous instrument. 
but you need to be aware of what you're doing. If you know what you're doing, they are very useful instruments because nothing else exists on the market to, to uh, manage and hedge risk as derivatives can help you to do so. But it's true that if you are not really aware of what you are doing or if you are entering very complex transactions where some risk may pop up later on and you were not aware before, they may, they may get dangerous. And we, as you said, we've, we've witnessed many examples where some corporations or, fun, or funds or but the, institutions but the money, were yeah, getting burned. But oh. the, sorry, the, 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 the money in the derivatives market, though, it never enters the real economy, right? It, because if I, if, I buy, if I buy stocks or if I buy bonds, then I invest money in companies actually doing something, you know. But if I, if I invest in derivatives, uh, that, money, that, that money never reaches uh, the companies, right? This is not true, because if you buy a call to a bank, the bank will have to hedge this, this call they've just sold you. And to hedge this call, they will buy the stock, no, the okay. underlying stock. And this will be, so when the bank sell a call, the, under, the hedge portfolio will be buying stocks and uh, zero, uh, money market position mm -hmm. as they're lending and borrowing. It can certainly have an economic effect, an effect on the, the real economy, because we were talking about the crisis, so 2008, the, the financial crisis. That was really all brought about because of a certain kind of derivative. Am I right? That was the collateralized debt obligations? Yeah, the, the, the credit derivatives, yeah. Credit derivatives. So, uh -huh. so but, is, but, is securitization also a form of derivatives? Uh, CDOs, collateral mm -hmm. debt obligation, is securitization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the derivatives world. Yes. Okay. So that's where you take something that you can't really trade and you turn it into a financial instrument and exactly. trade it. That's securitization. So, so what happened there? What was what was the problem? Why did it cause a crisis? Um, <clears throat> the problem, uh, the CDOs and the uh, securitizations, the, the securities created from securitization did not cause the the crisis. The crisis was caused by the real estate, the American real estate market collapsed. But the impact was amplified because of these assets. Uh, you got defaults default in, in households that had mortgages in the US, and this triggered many losses on the, on the CDOs and other MBOs mortgage uh, backed because those mortgage. those securitizations were, were linked, to, uh, linked to the mortgages exactly uh -huh. linked to the American uh, American mortgages. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Why why did that issue lead to the regulation that that you mentioned earlier? Uh, <clears throat> because uh, I would say several reasons. The first one would be that this um, this product got very complex in the way that we got structured and this went maybe too far and triggered amplified the underlying risk and then this cri this crisis that came from the US in the old world would have stayed in the US but because of this uh, this mechanism all these debt were transferred all over the world and this created uh, also 
uh, hazard on the on the banks that are giving the loans because usually the bank is giving a loan to an household to buy a house so they ha have to be careful about the credit quality of the household but because of this mechanism they lost some incentive to be very careful about what mm -hmm. they were doing because they would be able to sell the loan mm -hmm. package it into CDO mm -hmm. sell it into the market and then they were clear mm -hmm. as if they did nothing they just took mm -hmm. the margin in between and then they can do it again and this created um, less uh, less care from banks to give loans mm -hmm. what let's move on from the crisis to where uh, to where the market is now is it is it still growing i saw that there was one statistic that said there were contracts in 2016 at least uh, that were worth 570 trillion dollars which is six times the size of the world economic output so i guess you're in the right business really <laughs> What's the, so. what's the craziest thing you've ever seen a, a derivative uh, of? Because you can do them, as Alain was saying, on all kinds of things. You can do them on weather as well, can't you? What's the, uh, the most unusual contract you've ever seen? Compared to what we just said, maybe it's not so unusual. But uh, I don't know. I would say um, lo uh, loans that are conditioned on some FX, FX, uh, FX rate. For example, some... It, this trade was quite popular in Greece and also in Eastern Europe to take loans in f Swiss franc and uh, with some trigger condition on it. And this, I found, was very, very dangerous transaction to be in, uh -huh. especially when the Swiss francs increases. Then, mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. the, and this, it was, uh, this um, contractor. So, so, so banks uh, offered loans in, in Swiss francs to to protect themselves against the inflation of the local currency? Uh, no, 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 not really. Um, the, um, the household taking these loans were interesting in the very low interest rate in the CHF, so in Swiss franc. Uh -huh. So they were getting um, uh -huh. a loan in Swiss franc, converting to the local currency to buy the house, but they, they were paying the interest rate in Swiss francs that were much lower than the one they had in their local currency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And okay. so the, but the households ran the risks that if their local currency would, uh, would depreciate, then, uh, then paying back those loans beca would become um, exactly. very expensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I think it's, uh, it sounds a little risky, not as risky as leaning off the side of a motorbike at 200 uh, kilometers an hour. But, you know, we have the expert on both, both of those things here. So, Julien, thank you so much for telling us about uh, derivatives today. If you have any other questions that you'd like to, uh, us to, um, to put to Julien uh, afterwards, you can send us uh, a message on Twitter. A message. I sound like such an old fogey. You can tweet us on Twitter. I'm at E-I-B-M-A-T-T. E -I -B -M -A -T -T. And I'm at Dollar Tankler, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-E-R. And tune in for uh, our next episode of A Dictionary of Finance, which I believe is going to be on compliance, or it might actually be the one on uh, risk models or best banking practice. Hmm. We've got tons of exciting things coming your way soon. And don't forget to subscribe as well. Yes, and uh, rate us and uh, review us on, on iTunes and other platforms. See you again next week.